Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Eric Egan shares his running history from high school up through college, along with some of the twists and turns that would ultimately lead to the creation of Trails Rock. If you're a person who believes that all things happen for a reason, then Eric's story should really resonate with you. And if you aren't one of those people, well, that's that's just like your opinion, man. If you're curious about some of the topics discussed during this podcast, please check out the show notes at runningincideoutpodcast.com. Or, better yet, subscribe to the newsletter and have the show notes mailed directly to you as soon as the episode is released. Also, if you want to know a little bit more about the guests on the show, be sure to check out the runner pages also on the website. With that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester, New York runners. Did you run a lot when you were in the city, or did that start when you were in West Seneca? Um, well, I grew up in West Seneca. Right. Um, okay. Um, I, I ran a lot in Cass Park, um, yeah. which actually does have a few limited trails, but mostly that big old path that goes all the way around <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I ran from an early age. I, I was on a track program in fifth grade. Um, so I ran a track program in fifth grade, sixth grade, and then in seventh grade I moved up to varsity. Um, and then I spent the next six years um, in the program at West Seneca, which was completely revamped my freshman year. Uh, two new coaches came in, one of them, uh, Emilio Mancino. He's been, uh, like, near, say, coach of the year, section mm-hmm. six coach of the year. He's been uh, So my freshman year was his first year as a coach, and I had him for Earth Science Homeroom. So his very first time teaching and coaching, he got to experience. So those four years, there was a core group of us that ran together. Uh, and it was awesome uh, to kind of watch that whole progress, to watch him progress as a coach, watch us progress as a team, and uh, you know just move through the years together like that. It was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it's like you all started and learned together. Exactly, yeah. I'll never forget there was a fight in our classroom in like the third day of school. And uh, he just didn't know what to do. He was, like, running around in circles. <laughs> and, like, the kids in the classroom ended up breaking it up and taking kids to the office. And he was like, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm new. I'm new. Yeah. So. So when, my, um, when I was on the soccer team, like, we had this new coach come in. And oftentimes the health teacher was the one of the coaches. And so we had our soccer meeting before health class. And he's like, uh, he comes into the soccer meeting and he's like, so where's the playbook? And I was like, oh, this guy, you <laughs> yeah. know, I was like, okay, this guy's not for, not for me in general. Not that I was great at soccer, yeah. but I could just tell he was like a football guy and that wasn't going to work for me. And so, yeah. And, and then health class was miserable because he knew that like I dropped off the soccer team to go run cross country. So and then you had to have, <laughs> he was a teacher. So he would always talk about commitment and then he would look at me. Yeah. Was like, whatever um so the the point at which you were you were running track yep right and then you're you're leaving high school still having run track right mm-hmm. mostly yep. wasn't cross country um i i played soccer and then um junior year things got serious for track um i was recruited to a couple of summer programs um to compete um junior national style mm-hmm. stuff and uh 
I decided I should probably put cross country in the docket for the mm-hmm. fall. So I ran cross country my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then indoor track, outdoor track. So I hadn't run cross country up until then. And uh, I, I feel pretty fortunate that I did that. I can compare a lot of sports. So like I played football for a little time. I played soccer for three years, played varsity soccer. Um, I was on the swim team for a little time. So I've never experienced a community like I did. The, the minute I told the guys I was running cross country, it was like I had seven best friends. Mm. And then, plus the girls team, it was the exact same thing. All of a sudden you have these seven fit girls that are like just hanging out with you because they, you're, they're excited that someone new is on the team right. and they knew my experience from the track team. So it was just kind of, it was like a whole new family and it was, it was something that um, from that point on I've always looked for is something like that. Did you find that like, uh, I found with the more team oriented sports almost like you're a team but you're competing for starting time yeah whereas as soon as you switch to running yeah you're just running and i think what is really cool about cross country um is the way that it's scored so you know if you're in first place it's one point if you're in fifth place it's five points the team with the lowest total wins the meet so that last first place in first place they're actually more important than that first place person um, because if they finish in 300th that's a whole lot of points as opposed to if they finish 240th yeah and that that was kind of a big deal for us i i swayed back and forth between like fourth person and sixth person depending yeah. on because we had two really great guys and then we ran with two uh, other guys that were like pretty solid middle consistent performers yeah and um you know it but still it didn't matter like the first place guy didn't come to me afterwards and be like, you should have been 30 seconds faster. Right. You know what I mean? That wasn't his deal. He's like, you know, you ran. Um, but I, I found that I wasn't competing with those guys on the team. Right. We were all trying to get better. And I think that that, that really made things different for me. And it happens to during the actual races with running that it's different than other sports. So say you are, uh, you're on the football team and you, maybe you're the third string offensive tackle. The game for you is actually pretty boring and non-eventful because the chances of you even getting on the field yeah. are so limited. In running, from the time you're in uh, fifth grade all the way through when you finish your age group, you know, that 70-plus-year-old guys, 80, Charlie Sabatini that's running, you know, they're competing. You're competing against the people that are near you. Yeah. So, like, I know I'm not going to race Phil Nesbitt, but who can I race? You know, who can I pick off in this race? And that's something in running that happens from the time you're young to the time you're old, and it's really unique, and I, yeah. it's pretty cool. So in Zero SPF this past weekend, as I'm running, um, from the start, Matt Bertrand's in front of me. From the very start of the race. Step one, he's in front of me. And um, he's getting further away from me, and I'm just... Uh, Every time I would catch up to him, I'd be like, I'm coming, Matt. And I would just catch him, and then he would take off. Right. You know, and Matt, like, we talked afterwards, and he's like, I totally thought you were just playing head games with me. And, like, as soon as we got to the finish line, you were going to step in front of me. And I said to him, I was like, no, you were you were earning it. All I was doing was letting you know not to take any time off because I'm right behind you. And that was something, like, on a given day, Matt and I are are near each other. Mm-hmm. And if Matt's having a great day, I'm not like, oh boy, I hope Matt breaks his ankles right. so I can run past him. Yep. Whereas if you're the third string quarterback, you're like, boy, first string's got the flu. Maybe second string will get the flu and I'll get to play. Right, yeah. You know? 
it's it's totally a different it's really a different mindset mm-hmm. so before we get too far away because uh, i would like to talk yeah. about what was your favorite distance in uh track when you were running um the, i kind of was one of those weird guys that did a little bit of everything mm-hmm. um so i went to states as a jumper and mm-hmm. as an 800 meter runner you know what um uh, <laughs> so like I, I i held school records in the distance medley and in the four by one you know, wow. so I was very lucky, uh, very unique in that aspect. Um, but as much as it sucked, I loved the mile. Huh. Um, I ended up running a very, very fast mile in college. Um, I was around 420, so 426 was my, my wow. time in mile. And uh, a sub-six beer mile, <laughs> which we did on the track at night. <laughs> so I was... Unsanctioned. When, when it actually became a thing, we had actually run a race. The, the team ran a race. It was hilarious. The shot putters were doing it. Like, wow. Yeah, so it was really cool. We did it at like 2 o'clock in the morning one weekend. <laughs> Yikes. Um, but yeah, so I love the mile. I love everything about it. You know, that, that first lap, it's just kind of you're feeling each other out. The second lap, it feels mm. way too fast. The third lap everything in your body hurts in the fourth lap it's just like who's got more guts yeah and that that race has everything in it that you could ask out of a runner like at any point you get everything and Mm -hmm. it's really cool and it's easy it's easy to give up for a few seconds and blow the whole thing too oh absolutely like if if you even begin to coast in that third and fourth lap you can never get it back Mm -hmm. so yeah that, it's funny that the the guy who leads the trails running community um, finds that the the mile on a track <laughs> is the most interesting yeah. race. So you transition into college, mm-hmm. and um, something happens in Fredonia that. Yeah, college was actually an awful experience for me uh, with my running. Um, I actually have a binder upstairs that I keep around with with all my college recruitment letters. Um, I mean, I had choices, uh, Syracuse, University of Florida, even some of the smaller Division One schools like uh, Iona, Niagara, Canisius, um, that were offering money for me to go. And there was a, a coach at Fredonia, John Ulrich, and he, they had won, at the time, 24 consecutive SUNYAC titles. He had his office wall was wall-to-wall, ceiling-to-floor, All-Americans. National champions framed behind his desk just more than you could imagine. Uh, when I did my recruiting visit, I had the, the 4 by 4 team that had um, won nationals the year before, took me and my family out to dinner, just the four guys, and then the coaches took my parents out later. I went back to the track house with the guys, um, and basically Ulrich convinced me that when I went to Fredonia, I would be a national champion. <laughs> so yeah, you could go to LSU and you can walk on. You can run at Syracuse, and you can maybe in your junior year go to a meet. and um, Or you could choose one of the smaller Division One schools, and you could do very well. But nobody will notice because mm-hmm. it's Niagara, and there's six guys on the team, and they race against schools that people have never heard of, like Delaware State. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, or you could come here. We can't offer you any money, but the school doesn't cost that much anyway. <laughs> and uh, you know we'll get you some aid in terms of like tap and that sort of stuff and you'll be a national champion in three years and then you'll defend it for your senior year and that sounds great and your mom doesn't want you to go away to school if you're being honest your dad probably wants the best for you in terms of where's your success going to be 
and the decision comes down to between Cortland to run with Jack Daniels, who rumor has it that he's going to be leaving, mm-hmm. or Fredonia to run for Coach Ulrich, who has a wall of national championships. And uh, Cortland could not touch Fredonia at the time. like It, it wasn't even close. Um, they were finishing first, second, third in many events at conference championships. And so we chose Fredonia as a family. It was, it was a good decision. Mm-hmm. And then he retired. Right. And uh, there was no notice. Giving you no sign. National signing day was over. Scholarships were gone. Enrolling in schools. All that was done. Um, and so the first day, um, a this guy walks into the room. There's a bunch of freshmen. There's a bunch of guys in the front of the room that look angry. There's a bunch of freshmen in the back of the room saying, jeez, he doesn't even come to the meetings himself. This is what we're thinking. We're thinking he's so important that he sends his assistant. And the guy introduces himself as the new coach. He and didn't even, like, we send didn't a, know. He didn't even send a letter like, by the way, I recruited you. And I'm, right. Wow. So, um, and we hadn't had an opportunity to talk. Because freshmen move in early. Mm-hmm. And so we hadn't really had an opportunity to even talk with anybody. Wow. We were we were on campus, and we went to that first meeting. They tell you where to be, you go. And um, it was a disaster. Um, within weeks, the 4x4 national championship team quit. Um, three All-Americans were off the team. One All-American stayed on the team and basically did it as a joke because he was mad and goofed around every practice. And um, the coach was... He ended up getting fired the second or third year later, but he missed a meet. He didn't even come to a track meet. Um, and uh, he put me, I had, you know, I had my choices of jumping and running, and um, he did not want me to run cross country my freshman year and wanted me to focus on jumping, hmm. uh, which is something I had never really just focused on just that. I had always run and run heavy miles. Like I was probably running 80 miles a week coming into freshman year, so I was not ready for jumping. Which is more of an explosive thing, and um, I immediately transitioned to jumping and a heavy weightlifting program that he put me on. And uh, at the conference championships, I had been complaining of heel pain for a few weeks, and they basically said you, we need points. And I jumped, and I shattered my heel, which apparently had had a fracture in it, which is what was bothering me. And when I jumped, um, and I just I crumpled to the ground. I ended up placing high enough to get some points. So I earned <laughs> points in SUNYX. So over there on the wall there, I have my SUNYX championship um, certificate. So we did win the championship that year. I was part of it. Um, and got, You got the points. Yeah. And, um, you know, I immediately felt that I was on the ground. And um, the timing of everything was, was awful because um, the pool at Ferronia was under construction. So, the, the injury happens. I'm away from home. It's a, about an hour drive to any of the stuff I would go to in terms of rehab back home. The pool is busted at Fredonia, so I can't get in the pool for rehab. The team has a couple guys that are have the purpose of them being there now is to party. And um, I lost control, to be honest with you. I gained about 80 pounds in six months. Drinking beer, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday eating chicken finger subs, eating in the dining halls. And um, when my heel was finally better, the fracture had closed off. I fortunately didn't need any surgery. Um, the fracture closed off. I had x-rays. I got the go-ahead. And I tried to start running again, got back on the track with the guys, and within six weeks had a stress fracture in my, in my leg. 
And um, I had maybe only lost 10 pounds at that point. And now I was really depressed because the reason I chose that school Mm -hmm. was to run. And now here I am, the fat kid on campus. This is how I felt. I mean, it really wasn't because I came right. in probably at 170 pounds. Right. But it felt like I was just morbidly obese. And right. um, everything changed. You know, I was changing majors. I was trying to make friends. I, I wasn't part of the track program anymore. And uh, so it really turned into it. And then I'm resenting even being at Fredonia. Because I'm like, you know, if I was at Syracuse, this wouldn't have happened. I would have redshirted. I would have put in quality miles. This is, you know, what's going through my mind. Yeah, wow. And um, so everything sort of fell apart. And I did not get it back for years. Um, I gave up on running for my junior and senior year. I didn't run a step for two years. So so then kinda... you're, so the, you leave Fredonia with a degree. You're like, okay, yep. I got that big yep. deal, right? Yeah. And then you enter the big wide world. Right. Yeah. And you moved to Rochester. No, I moved to Perry, New York. Yeah, Perry. With the entrance to Letchworth State Park. Yeah. And um, I'm dating a girl in college that, that lives down there. Uh, I ended up getting a job down at the Livingston, Wyoming ARC um, hey. as the recreation coordinator, which Damn. gave me the ability to plan events where I wanted to plan events. So if I thought something was fun, I could take the clients on a trip. And so I had a weekly trip into Letchworth, and um, I began to um, just study the park. And, uh, you know, last year, Sheila and I did a project where we hiked or ran every single mile of the park over the course of a week. It was like 107 miles, I think, and we did that in one week, and uh, we covered every square inch of trail in the park. And that all kind of started when I was living down in Perry and, and living literally... I could jog from my house to the entrance of the park. So that helped you sort of rediscover running a little bit? Yeah. Uh, well, I had no friends down there. Yeah. Um, the girl I was dating was not the best person to be dating for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working uh, weird shifts because when you're doing recreation, you have to be working like kind of nights and weekends. So yeah. I couldn't even get up and hang out with my buddies that often in Rochester um, or back home in Buffalo. Because uh, a lot of a lot of my friends moved here to Rochester, mm-hmm. um, they got jobs here, or they were going to RIT for grad school, or U of I for grad school, and so um, I had to find something to do with my time. We were really poor, so we didn't have cable, we didn't have the internet. Uh, I was making hardly any money trying to pay my student loans back, and I started running again, um, very slowly, very gingerly. Right, but so you so you just decided now you're not running for points. Yep. You're not running for coaches. You're not running for medals. Yep. You're just running because. And that was probably the hardest year of my running life. Harder than anything else because you know in your mind, I still struggle with this a lot, you know in your mind what a 420 mile is mm-hmm. or what a sub 16 minute 5K is and you're running it in 31 minutes. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, I'm twice as slow. Like, you're thinking, college self could walk this 5K in 31 minutes, you know? Um, But it was really good because it helped me find me. Mm -hmm. Um, Did I have to define myself by running a sub-16 minute 5K? Did everything matter running? Like, at that point, that mattered to people. Like, people's jobs were on the line. Um, if you didn't run fast or jump far, somebody could lose their job. Yeah, and like that, the old coach, right? His motivation is recruiting. Yeah. Like he yeah. he's recruiting, and you know we were talking about this on our on our fifty k uh, twisted branch run. Um, 
uh, Nate Huckle came with us on the run, and he was talking a little bit about that motivation. Yeah. Is there a motivation for a coach to breed a long-term lifetime runner? Yeah. Or is it to grind them up and get four years of results? And that's what it is. And that's a lot of pressure, and, and you are aware of it as an 18-year-old um, because they score the meets before the race, like basically on a dry erase board. Mm-hmm. The events are up. And they score the meet, and, and their name is there with points next to it. And that's what your and then, expectation is. Yep, and at the bottom of it, it shows a total. Yeah. And if it's close, say say that meet is going to be 86 to 79, and you're expected to get four points, that's the race. Yeah. Like, that's everything right there. Like, yeah. if you don't get those four points, yeah. <laughs> and they get them, it's an eight-point swing. Yeah. And so. so instead, what you're finding yourself is you're commuting to your work. Mm-hmm. You're taking people through the trails for fun. Yep. You're deciding uh, you could do them a little bit faster than you did them yesterday. Yep. And I'm doing it. I have daytime off because, you know, my hours are kind of nice at weekends. So I'm getting a lot of solitude in the park. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to discover things in the park that other people aren't seeing. Um, I'm really enjoying the park. I'm enjoying... Um, I'm actually enjoying running on country roads, if you can believe me saying running on roads, because I hate roads, but it felt different. I'm running with corn on both sides, and, and, and I'm not caring about not caring about anything. I, there's no GPS watches, like unless you wanted to really drop some money um, yeah. back then. You didn't have small garments, you know? Mm-hmm. So. so then now you're, you're doing that. What, what prompts the move to Rochester? Well, the girl I was dating, not going to work. And yeah. um, so the Monroe County ARC had the same job open that I was doing at the Livingston County. And um, I just put in my application, called them up, and they, I basically got hired on the spot. Um, it was nice. I actually got a raise. And um, I came up here. I, I crashed with some buddies for about a week, mm-hmm. and I got an apartment because we were living together down there. I got an apartment up here. And then now I was living on the Clay Road Apartments behind Walmart in Henrietta. Represent. I had buddies that lived there. Yeah, a little one-bedroom place. First and, place uh, I ever watched Big Lebowski was in yeah. those apartments. So I was on my own, and um, I had that job. I worked there for a couple of years. Um, it was fun. I got to figure out Rochester. I learned my way around. I learned what was fun here. You know, when a lot of people say there's nothing to do in Rochester, I can be like, well, it was my job to find things to do in Rochester. There's a ton of stuff to do in Rochester. Um, and then I decided I wanted to go back um, to working in education instead of doing what I was doing. And Nazareth College had an opening in their residential life program um, mm-hmm. for, an, for an area director. One of my fellow RAs when I was at Fredonia worked there. So I called her up, got an interview, got the job, and I started working at Nazareth. Wow. Which gave me access to um, the athletic department. I'm real good friends with the AD over there, um, Pete Bothner. He's run some of our races. He's helped us out with our races. The first year zero SPF, we had no water jugs, and he helped out. Nazareth supplied all that stuff for us, um, signs, all the cones. That all came from Nazareth in the first year. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah, and I had the, I had access to the track again, to a weight room, to a pool, all the things that I had been missing. <laughs> so. Right. So now you're back in the college world again. Yeah, and, and it feels different. The college know? world that spurned you and shunned yeah. you. Yeah. All right, and now, but now you're calling the shots, and you're so you're running around Rochester. Yeah, I'm mostly on the track again, and wow. it, uh, it feels good to be back on the track. 
there's a tiny little trail that pretty much nobody knows about behind Nazareth College by the um, horse stables that basically is built and created and maintained by stoners. Hmm. <laughs> and um, I would do an interval as hard as I could, kick out on the south side there, run the trails, my cool down, hit another interval. Instead of doing my um, break on the track, I did it on that trail. Oh, um, let it be known, and stoners are industrious. Yes. Good for them. So, so okay, that's neat. So now you're mixing the two. You're doing, mm-hmm. you're running, you got college, you yeah. got, you're still keeping the trails, Yeah. and you're grown up now. You're yeah. damn grown up. So somehow you decide that you want to start a trails organization. Yeah, we're not even actually there yet, because the, uh, I met Sheila at, right. at okay. NAS. Um, we... Left that, I left that job, started working where I work now. We moved here, and uh, we were running quite a bit, um, doing a lot of road races, doing some dirt cheap, stage race, um, sneaker, those sort of things, and um, getting involved on in social media. I was doing a lot of stuff with my website at the time, which at the time was Rock the Run, yeah. um, not Trails to Bruise, and um, I was noticing on Twitter that there was there was so many trails that I had never heard of. I was running at Duran. I was running at Seneca. We had been to Black Creek, but it looked like a maze, so we didn't go into the trails. And um, It is. It's all the dry parts. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the maze. People on, on Twitter were putting pictures up of where they had been. And um, so I'm starting to communicate with this group of guys, and we're starting to use this hashtag trails rock that I don't know. I think Ben might have been the first one who used it i'm not really sure i think it was ben and then um ron was like we should meet and um we were like okay well i live in greece and ron's like i live in east rochester ben's like i live in fairport sean's like we're out in chai Lai. and we're like maybe we can meet at like henrietta there you go <laughs> and <laughs> which none of us live in and um so we decided we were going to meet at red robin um because we and this what year is this again? For for those of us that 2011, yeah, 2011, 2012, yeah, three three years, so 2012, right? Yeah, well, it would have been. Well, you would have met before yeah. that, so probably 2011. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, we decided we're gonna meet at like nine o'clock because everybody's got family except for Sheila and I don't have children yet, but they all like we have to put the kids down, mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, so we make this plan. I'm sitting on a couch and I'm like. Telling Sheila, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go meet some uh, guys and talk about running. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're always sharing pictures of the trails that we're running and on Twitter. And she's like, you're going to meet some guys on Twitter? And she was like, totally put off by the idea. <laughs> she's like, you're going to get murdered. And I'm like, we're going to Red Robin. I'm like, what could happen at Red Robin? I'm like, I love beer, I love burgers, and I love trails. And these guys seem to like trails, too. Um, and so I'm driving down to Red Robin. It's it's kind of a night like this. It was really kind of hazy. And I'm like, I don't know what they look like. Sean's profile picture was the back of a t-shirt that said bad man running <laughs> that he had made himself with like iron on. So I all I knew of Sean was the back of a t-shirt. Ben's picture at the time, I believe, was the back of him, like, overlooking, like, a, a mountain pass or something like that. And Ron had, like, a full beard or something in his profile picture. And I'm like, I don't know what they look like. And so I pull in a Red Robin. I go in. I'm standing there. There's, like, all these different people apparently waiting around for other people. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm like, maybe somebody will come up to me. And I think it was Ron who came up. He's like, you're Eric. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and uh, he introduced himself. And then um, Ben came a few minutes later. And then in, in tradition, Sean came last. <laughs> and, um, you know, from, we grabbed a table. We ordered some beers, ordered some food, and just started talking. And uh, basically the consensus was that there's all these amazing running organizations in Rochester. I mean, you've got Fleet Feet and Yellow Jacket Racing putting on an event every weekend. You've got Medved, which has been around forever with so much stuff in the store and the connection to Goose with Mort through there. And you've got the Greater Rochester Track Club. You've got the Oven Door Runners. You've got the Bagel Brunch in Greece. You, you have all of these groups, and a lot of them are using trails, and there is no one organizing the trails. So here you have six or seven groups, many of them using trails and racing on trails. You have two or three stores in the area, and you have 23 county parks with runnable trails in, in addition to town parks like Greece Town Parks with trails, in addition to Crescent Trail, Victor Hiking Trails, uh, Victor Historical Stuff, all these trails and there's no resource. And so Ben was a huge Crescent Trail person. Ron was Linear Park. Sean was Black Creek Park. I was running at Duran, and um, we're just like, this is crazy. We need a we need to bring these things together, and um, we need a resource for people that run trails. And when we left that night, we were actually rock outside, so R O C outside, and because uh, Ben had already owned the domain name, mm -hmm. um, he was going to use it for something. And then over the course of the next two or three days, we decided through Twitter that we really liked the hashtag Trails Rock mm -hmm. that we had been using. And uh, we, we launched it. Ron built the site in a couple of hours, and uh, it was up. It was really simple. It was who we are, and we love trails. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, did you think it was going to be much more than your Twitter stream consolidated on a website? Well, we knew we wanted to be a resource for where the trails were, mm -hmm. uh, which three years later became the app. Yeah. But at the time, what we were doing was Google pinning all mm -hmm. of the all the parks because Monroe County Parks had them sort of in an alphabetical list, mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't show you where they were. And so we created this like weird, awful to use where the parks are and then we would if we ran a park we would add a description um but we didn't really have any intentions on anything right um, just you were just let's gather stuff yeah and we wanted to be able to run together mm -hmm. um when we first started we we actually ran together a bunch of times much more than we do now mm -hmm. um as things have changed but like uh I know I, I ran a lot of miles with Sean and Ron Ben always kind of had his early morning thing um but we ran a lot of miles together, um, met up at different places, uh, and that was really what we wanted is, like, this is what it's all about. Like, we would meet, you know, somewhere, Northampton Park we met one time, which we never run at, and yeah. um, Sean knew some stuff about there, and we met early in the morning, the grass was soaking wet, it was cold out, and we ran, like, 10 miles in Northampton Park. And there you go, all right? So, so you start consolidating these things. Um, other people... They start. You start bringing friends to the group. Hey, I'm running with this group of guys, and people start running along with you. Like yeah, pretty it starts much. growing, right? Yeah, um, real organic. I mean, there was no plan. There was no mm -hmm. function to it. It was just we love being out on the trails, mm -hmm. and we love what Rochester Trails has to offer. And uh, 
we were just throwing together, and then um, the very first Zero SPF um, four years ago, it was going to be brutally hot like it was this year, and you basically had one choice. You had Shoreline half for anybody that wanted to run a half, you know, mm-hmm. unless you wanted to do something on your own. And Matthew French, um, at that point, we had been in contact with him, um, Twitter, the mm-hmm. Facebook, and he basically said, guys, I don't want to do a road half marathon in the middle of the summer. I have this great idea. Why don't we put together a, a fat-ass half marathon on the Crescent Trail? At the time, he was working down and running at Menden and running on the Crescent Trail a lot. And uh, Ben's like, that's a great idea. I have the perfect route. And, and Ben drew a map by hand. <laughs> uh, totally not to scale. The, 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 <laughs> it was basically looked like a straight line. <laughs> Yeah. Which is not the Crescent Trail at all, but he had all the road crossings. At one point on Mosley, you know, you kind of come close to it, and then you continue going up the trail. And he had written on the map, do not cross here, and then an arrow that said, cross here instead. <laughs> and he must have taken a picture of it, because everybody just had a digital copy of this map. Wow. And um, a bunch of us met together. I actually didn't make it out that morning. I was in the middle of dealing with some really bad um, colitis yeah. health issues. I didn't make it out that morning, um, and Matthew French had gone on Etsy and ordered little washers that had zero SPF, two thousand, what would have been two thousand twelve, printed on them and had some leather strings that he tied them together, and they ran and it turned into a race. Um, I think it was Mike Lesher, um, Rob Mishler, and Sean at the turnaround point, kind of started feeling each other out, and then the last three miles. It was Sean trying to hang on as Mike Lesher put the hammer down. And I heard each of them in turn turned an ankle or, or fell down as they're racing. Yeah, Ron busted his head open. <laughs> he was bleeding everywhere. Uh, there was two women, most people don't know about that, that were there. Yeah. Um, and one of them is the only person who's run all four of our Zero SPF races, including that fat ass. So... So that, you know, we'll get to the zero SPF that just happened, I think, because that, that was an interesting race, too, with the women's race. Yeah. Um, but at what point does Trails Rock turn into an organization? Right about then, um, I realized, for me, personally, like, this is what I really want to be involved in. Like, mm-hmm. this suddenly felt like that senior year of high school, mm-hmm. where we're drinking beers in a parking lot, we're running fast. We're charging up hills. Um, I'm going to trail races in the area. And I'm seeing people that I know. I'm I'm feeling finally like I'm part of this again. Um, that winter, I think it was a snow cheap. I placed 11th, uh, and I felt like I was finally coming back as a runner. I'm like, I need to be part of this community. I'm like, but the community doesn't really exist. And so as we started talking, I was like, we could really turn this into something. Like, Sheila and I would sit up at night and talk for hours. Um, and so we we started talking to the guys about, let's do this race for real. Um, can we commit to this? And it was like, yeah. And we're like, well, what do we want? Like, what when you envision a trail community, what do you want? And the initial thing was just simple. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us really, we all worked full-time jobs. We had our own training we just wanted simple. We wanted a simple races, um, simple mapping, simple everything. But we wanted more people to experience what we were experiencing, which led to a few group runs. So Ben is like, I run every Wednesday morning. He's like, I'd love to share that with other people. 
And so the Wednesday morning crew was our very first um, trout. And I could never make it because I, I work in the city. I live in Greece, and the runs are down on the Crescent Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, but every week, we were seeing more and more people showing up. And so that year, Medved has their Thursday runs. We were getting maybe 20 people to those runs. Uh, it was small. Uh, Ron and I showed up once. We had our Trails Rock shirts on that we had just made ourselves. Um, and we, we ran. People were like, what's Trails Rock? And we're, we were trying to explain. We just want more people running trails. And Medved was getting 20, 30 people at a time. And it was very small that first year. And um, Dennis and I decided when, when October came, we weren't done running trails. I'm like, Dennis you want to keep doing this? And we got an email list of people that came to the group runs and we started emailing that we were going to run through the winter with headlamps. And we probably had about 20 people that came every single night. And it was the perfect winter. You never had a crazy storm so that the snow was too deep. So we ran on a hard packed snow all year. Didn't kill the numbers. And when the spring came around, we were in such good shape on the trails compared to everybody else. It was like, I was like, this is what we need to do. And so then one of the problems was, though, that those Thursday night runs, we were fast. I mean, we were really moving at the time. Like, most people couldn't keep up. Um, even, like, Sheila would be like, I, she would come and do her own thing or not come at all because she felt she was too slow. And that was when Tuesday Trail Trots started because she's like, we need a group for people that are advanced enough to run trails, but they're never going to be able to keep up with you guys. Mm-hmm. And so Trail Trots started. Mm-hmm. And now we're wow. into that year is when Zero SPF happened for real. Yeah. Uh, that was our first year. It was crazy. None of us had put on a race before. And still, at, and that's at this point, there's still nothing financial going on. There's nope, no, nothing. like, there's none of the trail advocacy. Like, there's no yep. donation. None nothing. of that. Just gatherings. Yeah. Organizing gatherings. And we knew um, from running the Crescent Trail and Victor, um, we knew that they both wanted to put bridges places, but they didn't have money. Mm-hmm. There's a creek crossing um, right when you start the Victor Trail system, the Seneca Trail, that, that still doesn't have a bridge, but they were looking to raise money for that. And I was like, geez, we could probably raise a ton of money on if we did a race. Mm-hmm. And you started looking at the logistics of what's insurance, what's this, that, the other. And um, we decided to do zero SPF. We, we got Victor involved. We built a whole new trail the, behind the plaza there at Turk Hill Road. Mm-hmm. That trail did not exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got out and helped them build that trail. Uh, and that trail was the piece that connected the Seneca Trail to the Crescent Trail. So now you have this huge trail system yeah. that you can run. You could run an ultra just one direction if you wanted to. Right. Um, lots of road crossings, but you'd have a ton of amazing single track. Uh, but that trail got built, the Power Lines Trail was uh shaped <laughs> shaped let's yeah. call it shaped yeah. and um it just that first year was great we sold out in uh, like 36 hours mm-hmm. wow uh, because everybody had been talking about that first year and that there's no races on the crescent trail and yeah. here's this beautiful trail system probably the best trails that we have in the area right. and um there's no races on it why are there no races on it well, and do you have a half marathon under the trees in the summer exactly you know and um, we did not plan to put it the same weekend as Shoreline, but we plan to do it the same weekend as the previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, we are big on tradition. We mm-hmm. love tradition. And so we planned it. It happened to be the same weekend as Shoreline, which is nice because some people want to run a flat, fast half marathon. Some people want to be in the woods. Mm-hmm. 
And they're they're alternative. You, they're different parts of town. There's different different runners. Everything. Yeah. So it gives people a choice, which is really cool, uh, because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with choice. And uh, like I said, it sold out immediately. Um, a lot of really fast runners. A lot of people we'd never heard of. Just people were excited to be out there. Now, how do you decide the cap? How do you decide sell out? Yeah, um, that is with discussion with the Crescent Trail Association. So mm-hmm. we look at this is an out and back course. So if you have that year was one twenty five, so that's not really one twenty five. It's two fifty. Right, because you're going both you're coming ways. back, um, and they had told us one twenty five would be a number that they felt was sustainable. Um, we ran the race. It we had the same system we had this year. An incredible thunderstorm came through the night before, um, the morning of, and we ran the race. And the president of Crescent Trail at the time, uh, Dave Schaefer, uh, this guy has just been around forever. Uh, was very concerned about how we were going to handle everything. And he checked out the trails probably length to length mm-hmm. um, that morning and the day after and emailed us congratulating us on what a great event it was. We had left nothing on the trail, not a single goo packet, not a single flag, marker, nothing. Um, it was like we weren't there. And uh, he said, I can, I can see this possibly hosting 150. And so... When we started looking at our other races, the county does not cap our races. Mm-hmm. The county does not do a good job of advocating for their own trails and taking care of their trails. 400 people would have destroyed the Crescent Trail last week. Yeah. 150 people was sustainable. Yeah. And so that became a number that we felt was sustainable. Certain parks we know now because we've been working can handle more. Certain parks sh- shouldn't have races at all. Mm-hmm. So... Um, when it comes to advocacy, it, it all came down to that original number and what worked. When we went out after that race to sweep that course and we saw no problems, we said we did the right thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been involved in a lot of races where I'm early in the race, front quarter of the runners, and I realize that we're destroying the park. And I can't imagine what somebody in the back is going through. One, you're ruining the trail. Two, I really believe you're ruining that person's experience. Because when you're trying to go up a hill that 300 people have destroyed, and you're already a back-of-the-pack runner, and you can't get up that hill, it yeah. feels unfair, it feels frustrating, yeah. and what you do is you get off the trail, and you go through the shrubs, because mm-hmm. you can get some grip, and now you've ruined the system. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, well, and it's interesting, because, I mean, 150 people, it didn't feel, it, it feels small. Yeah. But it it also doesn't feel like where is everybody? Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it feels just just the right size for a parking lot, a group of people, yeah. you know. It, and when you look at like kind of the history of trail running in our in yeah. our country really, it's a lot different in Europe. But when you look at it here, it really was just a bunch of people mm-hmm. that loved being outside and they would meet in a parking lot mm-hmm. and they would run and laugh and splash in the creeks, rinse mm-hmm. their shoes off in a pond, and throw back a beer or a cold pop, maybe bring mm-hmm. some snacks, a bag of pretzels uh, afterwards, and they would hang out while the sun went down. Yeah. And um, that's kind of what we were starting to do. Zero SPF was exactly that. We finished in a gravel parking lot, yeah. and in that gravel parking lot is a pop-up tent with a couple of people sitting on it with some bagels. Yeah. And so you you looked at that race, and now you had money from that race. Yes. Right? And you were talking about what to do with that money? Yep. Um, <laughs> we had no business sense. 
<laughs> and the star. And we literally donated every single penny to the. So we gave like a thousand dollars to like Crescent Trail and to Victor Hiking Trails. Like right. it was probably like the biggest donation they had gotten in forever. Um, we did not think about. You know, maybe someday we'll put on another race, and it would be nice to have our insurance money, <laughs> or like a like a flag or two. Yeah, we hadn't thought about any of that. You know, like we were fronting money for things. We I fronted the money for the insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, we fronted the money for um, course markings, mm-hmm. and we never even thought, gee, we might want to do this again. Mm-hmm. We literally donated everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we gave to Victor Historical Society at Valentown. We gave to Crescent Trail. We gave to. Um, uh, Victor Hiking Trails, and we gave to first responders in the area, so two different ambulance companies, and we were, our bank account was empty. We, we didn't have a bank account. Right, I was just going to yeah. say, so now you don't have a pile of money, and you want to put on another race. Yeah. And you've learned a lesson or two, so at yeah. what point do you decide, this is now a nonprofit organization, and let's jump through those hurdles? Well, we went through a whole year. A whole, okay. A yeah. Whole. Um, kind of by the seat of our pants, so you've got um, 2012, I believe. Zero SPF. Um, and then we had um, 2013 came around. We do have Ready, Set, Glow. We have um, WTF. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are two races that go on that year. And um, all of a sudden, now we have, now we have money is coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have a PayPal account or anything. It's all kind of coming into my bank account, my personal bank account. And <laughs> Sheila and I are like, what kind of liability do we got going on here? What kind of tracking? Like... I'm like, geez, I could be taking all this money. These guys wouldn't even know. And I'm like, that is an awful position to be in. Yeah. And so we decided we really needed to get organized. Um, and we, op- uh, we opened a PayPal account um, so that our money could be managed through that as much as possible. That it's Just tracking, right? Yep, exactly. And we started the process of becoming a 501c3. Um, and you want to have a purpose. You know, it's just it wasn't just putting on races. Like... The races were never our intention um, when we started this. Our intention, get people on the trails, advocate for the trails, and um, then we wanted to start taking care of trails. And the races were kind of a, a piece of that because it, it enables us to do that. Mm-hmm. So we have these four races. Each race is raising money for something, mm-hmm. uh, except for um, WTF, which is a race that we wanted to do something for runners. So we want to say, how cheap can we put on a race? I was like, can we do it for a dollar? And, yeah. and that wasn't feasible because we have to rent lodges and insurance. But $5 was feasible. We looked at the numbers and we said, okay, we're not going to donate anything from this race. But right. we're going to make it cheap. Right. Um, 5, 10, 15. Yeah, right? 5 miles, 10 miles, 15 miles. 5 bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks. So it's a dollar per mile. Um, and we, uh, you know, we started off. Uh, Jamie Hobbs came on board um, very briefly everything we needed at the time um, to help us through the process. He drafted our incorporation documents. He pointed us in the right direction. Uh, without Jamie, we'd probably be spinning our wheels still, like with a weird bank account attached with my name and mm-hmm. um, you know, PayPal linked to it, but not linked to it because I have my own PayPal account linked to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, All the stuff you know, to make you uh, legit. Right? Yeah, and we're getting sponsorships too, so you know, you're getting a $200 check maybe from a company and it's like, they're making it out to Trails Rock, I'm taking it to the bank and the bank's like, who? And I'm like, well, it's my company. And they're like, well, you need a business account. And I'm like, how do I do a business account? They're like, well, you need to incorporate. And I'm like, 
How do I incorporate? <laughs> you sound you sound like one of those computer courses right now. You're like, yeah. Have you ever wanted to incorporate? Like, you sound like Legal Zoom right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's kind of the that's kind of how it went until yeah. Um, about a year ago, everything got really straightened out. We got our bank account going. Really, this spring, the bank account got going. Um, we have uh, our own separate insurance policy which covers our group runs, our trail work days, our races. We don't have to buy insurance individually for every race, which was a major hassle. Right. Um, we're just covered. We're, we're a legitimate 501c3 corporation, and we, uh, you know, we handle our business as such. We have a board of directors. We have a vice president, a secretary, a treasurer. And so, so you just finished Zero SPF, and one of the things that you mentioned on uh, social media was Okay, zero SPF is in the books because we made our donations. Yes. And that's sort of when you like put it behind you, right? Yep. Like the money has been given yep. and it's time to move on. To, so zero SPF, success this year? Uh, yeah, it was a great success. We did not sell out as early as any of our other races, which is a little weird because as our first race and our initially, we sold out so fast that first year, it sat for about a month. Um, which I am fine with because I th- what tends to happen when people sign up early is they drop out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then it becomes a little bit of a hassle because we are very generous with our deferral dropout policy. Uh, but, yeah, the race itself, we had 85 first-time runners that had not raced with us before, mm-hmm. um, which shows major growth, which we can uh, attribute a lot to the SAS program that uh, HBL started with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting a lot of new people on the trails, which was our original goal. Um, so that was great. Um we and had SAS a, is just it's slow and steady. Slow right? and steady up, and uh, HBO Heather Bailey Ostrander leads that group, and yeah. you know what ended up happening for her was the same thing that happened to Sheila on Thursday. She came to a Tuesday run, and she said Tuesday was too fast, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I, we can't keep offering all these things. Like Sheila and I and Ben, we, we were spent. Like we, our our nights were and days were spent, um, and so she said, I can run a program, and we were yeah. like. What do you got? And she said this slow and steady. It was fan- it was like that's a great idea, yeah. and uh, she's really run with it. It's been great. And so I noticed. I th- I think when I looked at the registrants, um, it was seventy five and seventy five male and female as well. Yeah, we've always been pretty even with that stuff. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Um, I was even more impressed with the the women that raced at Zero SPF because they were really taking the men to task. The the women's race was I wish I was said I wish I was almost like working the race so that I could have watched it. Yeah. Instead of where I was. You know, um, <laughs> we had heard Josh Perks was in the lead, mm-hmm. and that was about all we knew. Um, so we're thinking, okay, where's where's Hobbs? Where's Paul Glore? Where's Andy Frank? We're, we're, these are the names that are going through our head, you know, like, where are these guys? And all of a sudden, somebody says, runner-up. And so I get up ready to, to give a high five and see who it's coming. And it's it's a female. And it's a female that has never raced with us before. It's uh, Lainey. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what what is going on here? And she came down that hill like a rocket, yeah. but didn't look like she was even straining. Um, and just came through, gave me a high five. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, Geez, that's a course record. Yeah. I'm like, who is this person? I'm like, yeah. but uh, she had also won uh, one of the criteriums that I put on one of the cycling races I did in the spring. Mm-hmm. She raced that and won, and won that. So uh, she's doing all right by my races. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, that's a, a big success. You donate your money. Um, but now, like, you, you're, 
in a stage of growth again. Yes. Like you're stabilized. Yeah. But you know, change is everything, right? So now you're in a period of growth. Yeah. So you got you got your four standard races, but next up on the calendar is brand new race, right? Brand new First race, standard. yeah. Um, we always get invited. Sheila and I always get invited to partake in uh, Ragnar or any of these other like color run any specifically a Ragnar and I don't want to say anything bad about they are amazing Mm -hmm. um, but they are expensive Mm -hmm. if Sheila and I were to do Ragnar Adirondack we would be looking at almost a thousand dollars between the two of us that's why I didn't I estimated it would probably be five hundred dollars after van rental and And we had started looking at you know putting on these races I'm like I know I could put a race on for five dollars and I'm like so I know what these other races are making because I know the behind the scenes on it. And I'm like, okay, I get when there's employees, there's overhead, there's there's all these things. The running community really supports each other here. Mm-hmm. So like the stores that are supported by some of the races, and I'm like, but in my head, I'm like, I know what's going on there. I'm like, there's profit. And I'm like, can we do a relay the same way we did WTF where we are bottoming out on the price level for people and still able to give back to the first responders in the area, a trail project in the area. Can we do that? So so Sheila and I pitched it to the board, and we said we have this idea for a relay. Um, and the way these things come up, the name is the same as all these. We're, we're talking of putting a race on in August, and somebody was like, there's going to be a ton of bugs. And Ron's like, there's going to be some mighty mosquitoes out there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's our name. you know. And that's how the, that's how the name of all of our races kind of came up, was just sitting around at the board meeting. But so now we have this mighty mosquito, and um, we start saying, geez, we're going to have this great relay. It's going to be 300 bucks for a team, um, which is, I mean, that's bottom line that we can do, which is nothing. It's 50 bucks a runner, and they're going to run, six, well, five and a half miles three different times. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a film festival, a trail running film festival, which has never been shown in the area. So there's been the nationwide tour that goes around, that Banff film, all these other film festivals that go around. This is our own. We've contracted out with um, independent filmmakers that have their films that have never been part of a film series before, um, including one local film, which will be really cool to have in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's seven films that are in the film festival. We have five, well, Five miles, five and a half miles, three unique routes in Menden. Uh, one route that will touch on things that almost every runner in the area has not been on before. Um, kind of a game trail that's been converted into a trail. <laughs> um, and it's really cool. And uh, it's nothing like Madness, so we're going to be at Hopkins Point, but our race will feel nothing like Medved Madness. So you will be running a, a completely brand new route. And uh, we're going to have campfires, camping, music, all these things that go into a, a camping trip, but you're going to get to race as well. Right. And, and so you got a team of six people. You got the relay going. Yeah. Um, and then you got some other weirdos that aren't doing the relay, right? Yeah, we got some guys and ladies that signed up to run this as a solo event, trying to knock off 99 miles in the weirdest fashion possible because they will be running the same way that the relays run. So... Loop number one, they will run it six times before they see loop number two. So they will already have a 50K under their belts with 12,000 feet of elevation change before they even see the second loop. They're not going to cycle through the loops. Yeah, so it's all loop one. Six times through loop one, 
six times through loop two, and then the survivors will move on to loop three. Wow. So all that's going, and then, so if you run, like, your leg, your loop one, you're waiting for your other five teammates, you sit down, have something to eat, and watch a movie? Yeah, there's gonna, the Trail Running Film Festival is going to run between two and three times, so it's going to kind of loop through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a campfire going on at nighttime. There's going to be music going on during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, the pond is right there. If anybody wants to bring out you know, kayaks, canoes, whatever, that's going to be going on. They can fish. They can go back to the camping area, hang out, lay down, sleep in their tent. What about uh, like spectators and visitors? Like, Yeah, it's the home base area is going to be pretty wide open um we're kind of calling it like athletes village you know so people can come through and sort of see what we're up to um sort of see what's going on uh, as we're racing and um you know if really the film festival all that stuff is set up for just for the athletes but in tradition as we are we're not going to be jerks about things if somebody shows up and starts watching the film festival mm-hmm. so but, we want them to enjoy trails as well right so people are going to come out and spectate i like, would assume as much yeah i can't imagine they're not right so that sounds pretty cool and that's the second weekend in august yeah august 8th and 9th uh, it's a little daunting for us you know we are 100 percent volunteer like we don't get a penny from this and uh you know when when we brought it to the board i said we're asking a lot I'm I'm asking a lot of people that have children, grandchildren, work, life to give up at zero SPF and then three weeks later to give up again for a race. Um, And they were on board and we were gung-ho moving forward and we're ready to do this. This is a fundraiser race. Uh, We are going to be doing some major trail projects, restoration, bridges, things like that. with the money from this race. So what does a, what does a volunteer shift look like at uh, Mighty Mesquite? Yep. So uh, we have our, our, our silly ultra runners are going to be, uh, they're going to have their own aid station off on the side that's going to kind of be manned by somebody that we already signed up. So the people that are volunteering as part of the team, because the team was required to bring a, a seventh person. Yeah, which similar is a volunteer. to what Ragnar does yeah. as well. Right? They were to be available uh, the whole time. And what we've done is uh, we already made the schedule. Um, they have two two-hour shifts. So they only need to be available for four hours out of the entire 30 hours or whatever it is that we run for. And they're really going to be working with three other people at road crossings. Um, there's going to be a tent set up at the road crossing. Um, it's in the park, so it's not a dangerous crossing, but we do we are required to staff all road crossings. So we're throwing the volunteers there, and they can hang out and have their own fun at those road crossings. Mm-hmm. So. And then what about, like, aid stations or packet pickup? Is that all going to be standard, like, what you guys yeah, you are going to be um, right. Everything's going to be done right at Hopkins Point. Mm-hmm. Um, the aid station is going to be right there. It's only going to be one. So, you know, you're running a five-and-a-half-mile loop. So if you need water for five-and-a-half miles, you'll be carrying water. We won't have water on the course for you just mm-hmm. at the start and finish of your loops. Mm-hmm. So Wow. And then, so, are there spots still open? Is that... Yeah, well, the Ultra, um, we have about 20 spots left. If so, if we could find 20 crazy people, I'd be really <laughs> surprised. Um, as for the teams, I think we are at 26 teams now. Wow, that's awesome. And we have 30 spots available. So That's huge. Yeah. So, a pretty, pretty successful fundraiser by... Yeah, I'd by say... a promising fundraiser? Yeah, very, very promising. I mean, we can already look at the numbers and know 
we have done what we what our goal was. Now the object here. Now we want to put on a good event. Right. Uh, we've never not put on a quality event. Right. This should be no different. So we're we're excited. So what do you need? Like what 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 is needed? You know to what's make really strange? We don't have a title sponsor for this race. This huh. is the race that might garner the most media attention of any of the races in the area. Yeah. Surely of any of the races that we've done, um, because of the overtake. What's going? I mean, Twenty four hours of right. running in the woods. Uh, it's a huge media story, and we don't have a title sponsor. Um, two times you just signed on. They're going to be supplying race belts for all of our runners. Oh, that's well, cool. all of our teams because they sh- they will be sharing one bib. Right. So this two two times you sponsored belt. Yep. That's so cool. they're all going to be wearing a race belt. But other than that, I mean, man, I'm like thinking, gee, hopefully we can get somebody to supply some coffee to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're going through the middle of the night, maybe some coffee and donuts. Uh, we're Popcorn look- for the movie festival. Exactly, right? things like that. Uh, we're looking for maybe pizza or if, if somebody wanted to come out and donate hot dogs and hamburgers and grill them up for us for the post-race mm-hmm. party, that would be amazing. But even just pizza mm-hmm. at the post-race party. Yeah. So for so, fifty bucks, we're we're giving quite a bit. <laughs> so in our vast listenership, I have I have millions of listeners. Of course. Online. So um, somebody should just email Trails Rock if if yeah. they're at all interested in. Yeah, Trails Rock at gmail If they had any interest in this, um, we have a, a vast reach of mm-hmm. of right. runners in the area. Yeah. We have a pretty big impact on that, and I'm positive we're going to get media coverage for this event. Yes, yeah, so. I would I would imagine so. And uh, anybody that does sponsor us is going to be there be able to be there all day right especially as tents start popping up yep. all around Menden and people start sort of looking because the boy yep. scout camp is over there right? yes that's and, where we're going to be camping right and so, so people will sort of see that but it won't be boy scouts there and right. so you know yeah and we're gonna have signs for people coming into the park directions like yeah. it's just great opportunity for somebody but yeah. we just don't have anyone on board right Wow, I, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna bring the I think I'm gonna bring the kids and we're just gonna hang out for a while yeah, and you know be cool. like because they you know they uh, they enjoy the park, they enjoy running, they like tents and they like movies. There you go. You know, and then I can I can sort of pal around and you know pitch in and you know help out where possible. Yeah, but, and there's a playground there. But I think it's I think that's to me that's what's really cool about it. And it's thirty hours. I'll be there for three. Right. You know, but yeah. I'll be able to jump in and hang out for a bit. So I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's exciting. We're we're excited. Um, it's a big undertaking, but we're very excited. So that's that's one like big fundraiser that you have yeah. that's going to sort of set you up for the you know future. But you also do things like memberships and donations mm-hmm. and stuff like that, yeah. right? Yeah, and all of that, the whole purpose of that, our membership is free. Um, well, yeah. We don't ever want to charge for anything because we never want to sort of alienate. But the donation, the whole purpose of that is that um, the work that we do is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we just built a bridge at Black Creek Park, which has been needed for probably 30 years. And uh, it's not cheap to mm-hmm. do it right. You're, you're buying pressure-treated lumber, um, screws. You're, you're, it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. Even just trail tools mm-hmm. to dig and to cut and that sort of stuff, it all adds up. And so far, we've po- we've done almost all of it out of our own mm-hmm. pocket. Right. And uh, we've gotten a few donations, which has been huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're building a new trail in Durand. Um, because yeah. the beavers have destroyed it and yeah. overuse people using trails when they shouldn't have destroyed that trail. So we're building a new one. Yeah. And you, through a past successful fundraiser, you bought the trailer. We bought a trailer. Yep. So all of that amazing race stuff that you guys see doesn't right. have to sit in my basement anymore. It can be in the trailer. It can be organized. Our trail tools are in there. 
Yeah. Um, it just makes our lives so much easier. It, it could really use a fancy paint job. Like it. Yeah, we'd love to have our logo on the side of it. Um, <laughs> right now, it's just a plain old black trailer. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So what else? I mean, uh, not not that you have to do anymore, but what else is um, upcoming? What are you thinking about for like expansion? Are you going to get crazy here? No, I, I think we like where we are. We're yeah. very comfortable with where we are. We have one race in each season. Yeah. Um, we have group runs on many nights of the week and some mornings. Uh, we're building a community that's so great that people have started doing their own runs and started group forming their own Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from meeting each other, um, our main goal at this point is going to be maintain those four seasonal races and um, really put our efforts into community and into trail sustainability. So this mighty mosquito is kind of a one time. Let's see what happens. We have no idea what the undertaking right. is going to feel like. Right. We had no idea the first year of zero SPF what it would feel like. This right. is big though. This there's a reason that corporations put on relays. Yep, and not. Uh, Yep. individual people right. and and i mean 30 bucks a runner that's for a 30 hour cutoff yeah. that's that's pretty good but so you'll maintain the four races you'll keep yep. doing it yeah and then and our group runs are so successful yeah um and we're gonna keep doing that we're gonna be focusing on building trails maintaining trails just sort and, of stabilize right? yeah yeah and really uh, we're so big on the community we're um, so big like that's, yeah you know. <laughs> at zero spf um we had an injured runner on the trail. We had two runners that had made the turnaround, and they were going back. So they, they were on their way back towards the finish line. They came across this injured runner, and they stopped, and they carried her the opposite direction that they had just come from, yeah. that they had already run once and yeah. come back on, and they carried that runner out and then ran the rest of the race together. Mm-hmm. And um, that is something that we've always envisioned would happen with the community. I have been at road races and seen somebody fall and watched roadrunners trample that person because the clock is more important than people. Mm-hmm. And that is something that all four of us, when we founded it, and all seven of us now as a board are adamantly against. Mm-hmm. And we, are, we're, we were so excited to see that that happened. Um, the, we just feel like the community is going in the right direction. Right, and so just stabilize it and yeah. grow it sustainably, just like the trails. Right? Yep, grow sustainably. I have a feeling our races will continue to sell out uh, because mm-hmm. we will responsibly cap them, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we're headed. Wow, sounds like it all almost sounds like you planned it. I know you would think, <laughs> like, geez, from that stupid burger and beers yeah. and uh, Twitter stuff to where we are now. Um, I had a conversation with Sean the other day, and he said. We had no intentions of this. And I was like, yeah. I know, we had no intentions of this, but it's to the point where I actually love it. I really yeah. do love what Trails Rock is. And I think those guys would say the same thing. Yeah. Um, I feel emotionally attached to it. You know, yeah. it's like, I can't believe this happened. And, and really in a short time. I mean, Very short time, yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, really in essence, it's our third year. Yeah. Um, the start of our third year. And we have this community of... People are wearing our shirts at races. I had a guy come up to me the other day that said he was at the gym and there was a couple guys lifting that were wearing Trails Rock shirts. Wait a minute. Runners lifting weights at the gym. I know. Oh. And he's like, I can't, and he said to me, I can't believe what you guys have done. Yeah. And I said, I can't believe it either. We yeah. we just wanted people to know that more than one trail existed. Yeah. And uh, awesome. here we are with this great community. Well, 
There you have it. Yeah, the Trails Rock community is actually pretty awesome. But don't take my word for it. Come on out to an event. You can check the website or find the Trails Rock page on Facebook. Uh, both links are in the show notes. Also, next episode, we're going to hear from a man who epitomizes the Trails Rock community. He'll share what the community has meant to him personally and also how he was inspired to run the Mosquito 99. And uh, that will wrap up this episode of Running Inside Out Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'm still interested in your feedback. Feel free to head out to the website at runninginsideoutpodcast.com. Click the feedback link and drop us a line. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter and get show notes emailed directly to you when each show comes out. Yeah, I know. I'm really pushing these show notes, but it's because I painstakingly handcrafted them. So why don't you uh, give them a try, see what they look like, huh? Huh? The newsletter is great, huh? Huh? Um, anyway, if you like this show and want to make sure you catch the next one, the best way is to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Um, we're out on iTunes, so that's pretty neat. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. Just search for Running Inside Out Podcast. And uh, a huge thank you to Skeptic Dan and Ben Murphy online for leaving reviews at iTunes iTunes reviews, uh, word of mouth, and social media sharing are really the best ways to get the uh, show into the ears of more listeners. So, thank you for listening, and remember, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there. <laughs>